0: fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try it's ready. And for the touchdown. What a perfect second ball. ever Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal, paving your way to fantasy glory, acting as your lead blocker to fantasy excellence. We are into episode six out of eight as we hit every division in the NFL. We did the AFC West yesterday. We did the AFC East, or we are doing the AFC East right now today. Man, what a load of garbage, huh? Um, Anyway, (laughs) my name's the Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself, I saw you, you almost, you wanted to answer that garbage comment.
1: I did, (laughs) because it is, it's absolutely sheer, steaming, heaping piles of complete shit here. It is awful. I mean, there is the first division we're going to do, the first team in this division, the Bills. There's obviously a couple huge names. After that, Gaskin's like teetering on my top 100. Everybody else is outside the top 100. That doesn't mean this isn't like an unimportant episode, though, because I do think there's plenty of sleepers yeah. within this division. A couple big risers. I guess Corey Davis is actually now my top 100, which we're going to talk wow. about in a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, as a whole, this is the new, the you know, the NFC leased last year. This is the new least. It is a horrendous, disgusting division. Uh, the other note of that, too, Nat, is I've been updating the projections. And oh, yeah. I got a little bit behind on this division just because of how crap it is. And we're going to be kind of updating it live as we go here. Uh, so this will be a new one to all you guys, you know, Mitch, all the people tuning in every day, Alan Caps catching the replay, all you guys. This is going to be a little bit of a different where I update them live as we go. So a little bit less organized than our typical schedule, uh, but maybe even more valuable because we'll talk through our thought press about where it used to be and, and where we now have it once we've updated it live.
0: Yeah, there were some wild discrepancies when I was doing my research, uh, you know, a couple hours ago, and the Wolf has actually been changing some of these things in real time. So hopefully I won't just read off completely incorrect stats. If I do, hopefully the Wolf will correct them, uh, you know. With authority on the air
1: Exactly and as you know like you were saying My big boards adjusted so when you're going to say Like Josh Allen's QB2 on your Big board he would have been anyways when I update the projections But nonetheless that's going to be right It's more so when you're saying like Elijah Moore you have as the top dog as of now I'll be flipping that today as we Go into our projections there's going to be quite a few of Those after preseason week two No division was hit quite as hard as this AFC East
0: yeah hit hit, I mean in the east here up in at least The northeast how was that hurricane? Did you guys uh, get hit by that hurricane? Because we had like a light rain with no wind for about twenty minutes.
1: It, it was it was pathetic. We got nothing. I know I was talking about a tornado warning and stuff up here. It, it, nothing happened last week. And then there's a big hurricane warning, like you said over the weekend. Nothing. Now, I, I got yeah. I dish out of the bachelor party I was at. It was an amazing time, but I had to get up at five thirty in the morning to beat the storm and get out of there. Oh
0: yeah, gotta beat the storm.
1: I mean, I I did beat the storm, and then the storm never came. So yeah, yeah. Uh, no hurricane at all.
0: All right. With that said, we're gonna get right into the AFC East. Hold on to your seats, everybody. This should be a lot of fun. I, I'm serious, by the way. I'm not being sarcastic. This is gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be because all over there's there's days. a bunch of uh, you know really really bad teams. I didn't realize actually how bad this was until i went through it i in my mind still the nfc east was the worst i don't think so i mean this clearly seems like the worst division in football minus the team we're starting out with and that of course is the buffalo
1: bills and before um, i get you going that oh yeah hey you know what we got to do. We got to be our little sluts and ask for your thumbs up. It helps us get out to more people, whether you're here live with us or catching the replay. It would mean the world if you consider giving us a thumbs up, hitting that sub button afterwards if you like what you hear and you enjoy it. And, of course, we'll answer every single question. Yesterday, we got like a, a 50, 60 question mailbag yeah, yeah. at 1.30 on a Monday. We were laughing after the broadcast, Nat. Like, that was awesome. So bring the heat, guys. All the questions you have, you know how we do it. We'll hit them after our feature segment, which will take about 40 or so minutes to get us there
0: all right here we go bills obviously the captain of that ship is josh allen you've got him 408 completions out of 598 uh for a little under 4800 yards in the air 37 touchdowns 12 picks to go along with 107 rushes almost 450 yards and nine touchdowns that is a nasty stat line we're talking about 46 total touchdowns for the guy that's good enough for quarterback two on both of your lists i'm assuming not much of that has changed
1: No, and no matter what happens, save like a tragic injury to Stephon Diggs, those stats are going to hold true. I love this guy. You know, he's such an exciting prospect. The fact about him, too, is he might not have hit his ceiling already. Greg Kosal, one of my favorite film gurus, said nobody drips in as much natural talent in the arm and obviously brings the legs as well as Josh Allen. It's a matter of does he truly refine all his mechanics We saw last year, gets that continuity of Brian Dable at the top, uh, still calling the plays, which is amazing. Same exact weapons cabinet outside of Emmanuel Sanders coming in for John Brown, which by all accounts so far has been a positive, not a negative. I love this team. I love Josh Allen. He is going to sling it and be the, by far, he's the only guy I think has the real legitimate case to beat Pat Mahomes this year.
0: Right, and he's going for like, at least in my auction draft, he went for about half what Mahomes went for.
1: Exactly. A full round later in drafts. And those two should be. That's why I've said on air multiple times. I think Mahomes might be one of the worst picks you can make in this draft. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Not Obviously not because he's going to suck. We know he's, he's my quarterback one. He's going to be good. But the opportunity cost of a round three Mahomes versus the talent that's sitting there late fourth, early fifth when you're going Josh Allen, is tremendous. I still don't often go quarterback early, so I probably won't have Josh Allen on too many teams. But I, in my best ball drafts, you know, when he falls to mid-five, like sometimes even early six, I've scooped him up there because the talent it really does drop off once the, the top 18 running backs are gone. That's when I'll start considering Josh Allen for sure.
0: Yeah, Mahomes, as great as he is, and neither one of us disputes that he is just greater than great can be, uh, he's overrated (laughs) fantasy-wise.
1: Yeah, yeah. just the opportunity cost of the position, it it truly
0: is. All right, let's get into running backs, and I'm just going to warn you guys right now, there have been some real changes. So the big change is that you had about a 60-40 split out of the backfield in favor of Zach Moss Mm -hmm. uh, going into this. And... You know, I'm not going to bother reading the stats. You can read them if you want because I know they've been changed. But essentially, you've you've had a bit of a change on that, and you think that now it's a 60-40 in favor of Singletary, basically.
1: Most likely, yeah. So let's go through this. I'm going to go to the depth chart adjustments. And then again, this tool is available on Rotoviz, one of my favorites. And I'm just going to switch Zach Moss for Singletary. Now, this is based off while I'm doing this. The preseason, last preseason week two, Zach Moss came in after Singletary. In fact, Singletary saw 18 of the 20 first-team snaps before Sing- Zach Moss even touched the field. He, he's been in there for about 66% of the first-team snaps so far this preseason, and he's also looking pretty damn good while doing it. 72 yards on 12 touches, two receptions so far, two touchdowns. Singletary is looking good. Now, we know Josh Allen's the de facto goal line back. There's not going to be that many TD upside. It's not a backfield I'm all that excited to get into. So right now, though, as you can see, I have Josh Allen for about 24% of the ground pie, that being about 40 445 rush attempts. Uh, Now I'm going to flip this a little bit. I do think it's going to be a little bit closer than 41, 28. I think it's going to get closer to more like uh, 39 for Singletary. And then the rest will go to Zach Moss here. Uh, let's project him now. So we're missing a couple percents here. So 30, 38, 31. And that's why it's not like that ultimately valuable of a pie. If you running back, so right. only getting 39, the top guy, 39% of it, it can't be that valuable. I do think Moss brings a little more TD upside than single So I might switch this to like 4% Moss and get him to about, you know, five, six seems a little rich. I might do three, five then and give him like five touchdowns. I think single uh, seven is about, I mean, his preseason pace, he's on pace for 16 touchdowns all the year. So seven, I, I'd give him a, another three, five as well, get him down to six touchdowns. So it is, again, the, the third highest scoring offense of last year. These guys go in round 10 or so. Singletary going multiple rounds after Zach Moss right now. Well, clearly you can see, I think that should be flipped and Singletary should be the priority guy and the fact that he goes later. I, I might own some Singletary, but still it's not a backfield. I'm like sprinting to get into.
0: No. And just to reiterate that point, the big board, which I know I am up to date on, you've got Singletary as your RB 38 Moss is your RB 44. Again, you're not like scrambling out to get the RB 38. No, not at all. Not at <laughs> all. All right, but let's move out to somebody you might be scrambling to get. And that is Stefan Diggs. Um, Hopefully haven't been adjusted too much, but I had him at 123 catches, a little over 1,500 yards, and 11 touchdowns, and that was on 171 targets. Um, Not bad. That had him as your wide receiver three on both lists, followed by Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. Neither one of them doing anything too exciting, but uh, you do have Sanders being targeted over 90 times and Beasley being targeted over 90 times.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Uh, with with the 90 targets to Sanders being just a little more fantasy friendly in the sense that I think he's a good touchdown scorer. You can get it all done over the field, but he's going to kind of replace that John Brown deep threat element alongside, of course, Gabriel Davis, a great deep threat who led this team in receiving touchdowns a year ago besides Stephon Diggs. This guy, Davis, can really sprint down the field. The only questions now with the receiving core we saw pop up today Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis cannot practice for oh, next right. five days due to COVID protocols. Both of them have been pretty staunch anti-vaxxers this entire time. I wonder how that's going to play out. They've even said that the paper speculated Beasley could even be released. This was their second highest targeted receiver last year. A, a middle of the chains field, you know, moves them all the time. So dependable on that role. For him in a PPR league, that would be massive if Beasley's presence is removed. I mean, Sanders would skyrocket, as would Davis, should Beasley's presence end up getting removed. He was only about a 67% player last year, uh, but very focused on the third downs, the chain moving situations. I expect that to continue as well. I'm just so high on, on Sanders because... We had Joe on, great, the beat writer for The Athletic. Awesome, awesome interview if you guys haven't heard that one yet. He was raving about Sanders. I know he's missed a little time with practice, but he said, you know, anytime he's out there, Allen is just peppering him. They're getting that rapport down. He's doing things that John Brown couldn't do in addition to being able to stretch the field. So I really am bullish on Sanders, as you can see here, 781, seven touchdowns at around, you know, 13, 14 price. Give me that all day. Uh, Yeah, and Diggs, of course, you know, one of the only receivers – in addition to Tyree Kill, in addition to Devonte Adams, that I'd ever even consider entering round one is Stefan Diggs. Those targets might seem insane, but that's what he put up last year. Nat, the most targeted, most used wide receiver in the NFL last year, and now he gets seventeen games. So, assuming he plays all seventeen. I don't see any reason why these are right in line with what he did last year. So maybe a little bit of a dip in a per game production uh, percentage just because 17 games maintaining what he did would be crazy. Uh, but, yeah, there's, you can't go wrong with Stephon Diggs targeting Sanders late and Beasley and Davis late. I mean, this is one of those aerial pies you want all the pieces you can get.
0: Uh, Beasley, and just a, a little comment on that, regardless of what you think about the VAC stuff, he sent out a tweet. I don't know, three weeks ago or something like that. It just made me think he was like one of the stupidest people I'd ever seen in my life. He goes very true. He goes, uh, yeah, sure. Uh cut me. what well, yeah, sure. Cut like the best slot receiver in the NFL. Go ahead. And it's just like, yeah. what sport are you watching, dude? Like he's like a pretty good slot receiver. Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Elevated significantly by the players around him. Like he's I mean,
0: the thing he's like, he's expendable. Like if they cut him, they cut it. Like, you know, you'd be, these guys get replaced pretty easily. Like right. you saw the freaking Steelers were willing to get rid of Antonio Brown, who was the best receiver in football. When they exactly. did it, he's not cold exactly. easily. Anyway,
1: uh, you a little concerned? I haven't seen like mit I haven't seen our usuals, the tunes, the Mitches. like, is this not going out to people? <laughs> Where are uh, our guys? <laughs> I know.
0: I know. I guess, but even if we're speaking into a vacuum, we're going to do it anyway.
1: Of course. It'll still be up there live. We did get, uh, I will have to shout out my guy, Brian Cronenberger there. BK. Uh, the tune says, Oh, I'm here. They're just watching and tuning in. All righty, Fair enough. Uh, but he was at the <laughs> bachelor party. I was at last weekend. Good to see you BK. Thank you so much. For joining. Of course, again, guys, reiterating if you have questions, we'll hit them all at the end. So please get those in. We'd be more than happy to help you with any of your fantasy dilemmas at the end of the show. But so pumped to see you, man. It was a blast this weekend. Chilling. All right. Here we go. Uh,
0: uh, we're going to spend like about 10 seconds on the tight end. Dawson Knox.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Is that no, it? I mean, okay. that's yeah, moving on. too many. Right. Uh, they are getting, I will say though, they're getting higher on like his athleticism. I guess he's really ch- chopped down on the, the, uh, the drops, which was plaguing him all last year. And Allen is just doing his best to work him in. I guess before when I was projecting him out, Hollister was kind of nibbling at his cheese, looking like a potential you know, vulture in that sense. But here, Dawson Knox, I guess, is really separated in camp. Hollister's kind of taken a backseat. He's been hurt. And when he's come back, hasn't really shown much. So Joe Buschulio was saying you know, the touchdown upside is pretty real with Knox. He did want to emphasize, you know, this is the, the fifth option on the target totem pole at best. So you're not going to get consistent stats. But as a guy in best ball that will go for a random touchdown or two any given week, I, with the potential, he did say, you know, the athleticism. He is six five. He did run like a four six at that that big height. There is a size speed element to his game. He just had so much inconsistency, especially with his hands last year. I wonder, you know, if he can really truly take that leap as a fourth or fifth option on the totem pole. So yeah, not not all that in on Dawson Knox, but as a last round stab, you know, I like Parham more. I like Tyler Croft more. But Knox is one of those guys you could take a stab at.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> speaking all right. Speaking of people you're not that excited about, we're about to get into three full teams of them. Uh, we're going to go right on to, <laughs> up, guys. Gonna, <laughs> up on up to the Dolphins. Break. right? <laughs> Miami, of course, it's the Tua show, at least allegedly this year. And you got him down at 360 out of 568, a little over 4,100 yards, 30 touchdowns, 13 picks. Those are generous stats, in my opinion, uh, to go along with 56 rushes, 250 yards, three touchdowns. Um, That was good enough, at least when I initially did my research for 16th on your projection board and 21 on the big board.
1: Yep, that's about where he lines up. There's obviously some risk with Tua, but they fully went all in this year. All the reports are he has been lighting it up down deep in practice. The big issue with me now, though, is all his receivers have been hurt the entire time, save Jalen Waddell. I don't know where you know, everybody is. Fuller still has in practice. Parker's been in and out throughout the time. And that's kind of what this receiving core is. Preston Williams hasn't been seen from yet. It's a pretty gross receiving core in that sense. Uh, but ultimately, if they are out on the field, I mean, Fuller and Waddle can run as fast as anybody in the league, save Tyree Kill. Parker, we've seen be a big body possession guy that can go up and get it when you're in trouble. So Tua does have some weapons around him. If he has, you know, he was so tentative last year, seemed scared. If that truly is changed and it looks like so far this preseason, he's passing the eye test, save a a horrible interception in his first contest. He has looked significantly better and that's with throwing to nobody. So I am slowly starting to buy into Tua. There's second quarterbacks. I like more Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, even big Ben after what we saw in this preseason week two with him, slinging the rock and looking like he's five years younger there's definitely some guys i prefer as a qb2 but i don't mind to it as you said the three rushing touchdowns is about 300 yards not like a konami threat in the sense of you know, josh allen who we were just talking about but still has some legs still can move the change a little bit like mahomes in that sense like he's not gonna run all over the field but he can pick you up 10 you have know, five a little rushing touchdown every couple of weeks like he's he's that type of konami
0: and they had – this is just a slight offshoot of that. I was looking at a picture from like the quarterback room from back when he was at Bama. They mm-hmm. had him, Mac Jones, and Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts. in the room basically. That's – that's kind of cool pretty good recruiting over there at Bama they've done a a decent job I'd say (laughs) yeah they've done all right for themselves all right let's move on to running back and you do have a bit of a change that's going to be coming here in the form of Miles Gaskin I'll just say before so you had him at uh, 170 carries for 734 and five touchdowns to go along with kind of pedestrian receiving numbers at the time uh that you made that you had him as your running back 34 projections I think you're liking him a little more right
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you wrote down exactly where he's landed on my big board in the last time. You had him at 31, I want to say. Yeah, so I I bumped him up a tad. So let's go through that. Based on, you know, I bumped him down pretty hard. Sometimes I react a little too aggressively to preseason action, but when a a seventh-round running back, Gaskin, did great under the coaching staff last year, but they have a new play caller coming in, and then they go and start the free agent they brought in, I started to get worried that maybe this is going to truly be uh, a Malcolm Brown backfield. He started the first preseason game. Thankfully, Gaskin was in first this last week. He he did play ahead of Malcolm Brown, who only saw five snaps with Tua, but then also Salvin Ahmed played 13-19 to 19 for Gaskin. Gaskin was in for 19 of 37 first-team snaps, so about a 50% snap share there, and I think that's reasonable. I have him here at 40. I'm going to bump him up to, let's call it, 43, so a slight bump up there. I'm going to bring up Uh, Ahmed and bump down Brown who was again the third guy and so let's let's put Brown now at 15 and then let's see what that leaves us for Ahmed uh, who I do think is actually he brings a nice speed element the the coach has talked a lot about wanting to use a three-back committee so I think this seems about fair right like 43 percent of this ground pie which 432 attempts isn't all that high. Uh, 43 going to Gaskin, 27 going to Ahmed, and about 15 to Malcolm Brown. You never want something that's like that evenly distributed anyways, except Gaskin does have a little bit of burst to his game. So I think I'm underplaying the yards per carry. I think I could bump that up to about 4.7. That's going to get him to right around 800. Yeah, 874. So that's a decent bump. And we saw this weekend catching that touchdown touchdown. You know, he is a pretty explosive receiver when he gets the chance. So that might go a lot to Ahmed. I think this receiving distribution, it's very unclear. It's like a three-way split for receiving work. So I'm just going to leave that untouched. But a little bit of bump up for Gaskin. That will bring him probably right around in line with that 31 on the big board, 31 in the projections here, bumping him up.
0: But again, just like we said with the Bills' backfield, it's not like you're super excited about it.
1: No, no, and it, neither am I really for these receivers. All that, no, Josh.
0: Oh, we're getting to that. There's okay. nothing to really be too excited about there. Real quick, why don't you change the banner at the bottom? You still got the Bills up. Oh, good all call. Right. Thank you for all that. Right. So <laughs> the, we we referred to these, you know, receivers: Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker. Okay. So there have been a few changes, I'll just say. Your projections, you had Waddle actually at 35, Fuller at 48, Parker at 54. The big board, and I believe some of those have changed, but the big board, you had Waddle all the way up at 44, Fuller 51, uh, Devontae Parker 67. I believe those are current. I don't want to read out the stats because I don't want to get them wrong, but I think you had Waddle with 104 targets leading the way.
1: Yep, and that's still what I have here. I don't know that I'm going to change a ton because it's still tricky to get a read on what's going to happen when they actually have Fuller and Parker in the lineup alongside Waddle. We saw Waddle get you know peppered this last weekend as the clear alpha. He he's by far the most intriguing guy, as you can see in those rankings. Like the only guy I think could truly emerge as a difference maker. That's why I have him ranked so far ahead of these guys, even though the projections are all kind of shaking out similarly. I do think Waddle brings so much speed, but also run after the catchability, And that's an element they were missing last year. That's what Tua does the best is those anticipation, those timing throws, a quick slant from Waddle that he hits him in stride. Waddle takes to the house. That's the type of play I'm envisioning happening quite often for Jalen Waddle, depending on how they use him. I don't have all that much faith that this offensive, this, it's the run game and the tight end coach of last year, merging to make this off. And I don't know what that's going to look like. It hasn't looked all that great to start the preseason. But if there's one receiver here that I want to target, it is absolutely Jalen Waddle, who I'm going for 60, 69 catches, 938 yards, 6 TDs. Those TDs could certainly bump up if Will Fuller gets hurt, as he always does, if Parker gets hurt, as he always does. But I should also preface that by saying Waddle is not a you know injury free guy he's he was banged up all of college every single year was dealing with something i imagine that's going to continue that's why i was kind of surprised they went after him given that how they already have so many injury prone guys i do like him the most by far out of all these guys though
0: yeah i like him the most too but it's like uh i'm trying to think of a, a group of three lousy things and then you like one of them the best but i'm, I'm coming up with a little bit of a blank right there and anyway, it's like it's like uh christopher paulie walnuts and silvio and you're like yeah uh, silvio is the smartest on the sopranos
1: okay. <laughs> <you're> like, no. <laughs> right exactly yeah the, anyway, the, the skinniest guy at obese camp type of thing right right now. right right man look at him he's
0: like a solid 270 right. all right all right let's go Very and let's shilt. let's <laughs> look at it. That's that trim guy over there anyway uh let's talk mike Gasaki. that's your tight end you had him uh as your tight end eight actually by projections and tight end 12 on your big board 62 catches almost 800 yards nine touchdowns right around 100 targets
1: yeah, big into Gusecki, the second on the target totem pole, in my opinion here, behind only Waddle. And honestly, at the end of the year, given the injuries that could happen at receiver core, wouldn't be shocked at all if Gaseki paced this team in targets. In fact, he did over two his starts throughout last year. First preseason game, Tua threw six of his 11 passes to a tight end, three of them were to Gusecki, which he ripped up for 50 yards, had another 40-yard catch in week two, showing all that big play athleticism. I guess the one concern I have with Gaseki is he doesn't play a ton of two tight end sets or even single tight end sets unless it's a clear-cut passing down. He kind of rotates it on those snaps, and it's been very tricky historically for a tight end that's a pass catching specialist only to truly carve out top 10 fantasy status. he did it last year. I think he could do it again because Tua loves him so much and he's such a good athlete, but yeah, he is going to climb an uphill battle if he doesn't grow into a true tight end, every down guy, which so far as preseason, he hasn't been, even though he's been making plays all over the field. So that's kind of the balance there for me, but yeah, I haven't projected for the second most targets and fantasy points among these wide receivers and t- tight end pass catching core.
0: All right, let's move on to the Patriots. Remember when the Patriots used to be good? <laughs>
1: Fuck off! <laughs> I, I knew you. I knew you were gonna fricking oh, ass wipe. Well, I mean, they're, they're gonna be look, good again. They, they uh, might be the I've second the best team in this division, against. dude.
0: They might be the they second best good. team
1: in the division. Oh come they, on! They are. They're they're gonna come in second at but worst this year. This they division. they look at worst. At worst, At they're worst. Coming in you, second. Think,
0: you think they might win this? Do you think there's a chance they're going to win this division?
1: They ha- they almost beat the Bills in both times they played them last year. Cam Newton just fumbled it away like a moron. I, if, I really have a, a very high opinion of Mac Jones. Probably my delusional star boy Patriots fan's eyes gleaning over him. But I think he's the real deal. I think by the time he takes over, this offense could really take off.
0: All right. Well... I mean, you know, they beat up on the Eagles second string in preseason, so they do have that going for them. Um <laughs> they're
1: right. good, man. They're good. They're going to be good. Wait till you see this defense is great. The line is unbelievable. They're going to just pound out the clock and just bludgeon you. That that's going to be their motto this year and I think they're going to do it quite well. Bludgeon
0: you with Sony Michelle. All right. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk. I, I don't know what we can really say about the quarterbacks because you had them at least when I did my research, right around an even split, and, and, and it's still is. it's not really clear that anything has changed. What you're going to know, you had uh, Newton going for like 147 out of two twenty eight, little over sixteen hundred yards, eleven touchdowns, six picks, eighty seven rushes for three hundred forty eight yards, eight TDs. You had Mac. Uh, 188 out of 278, 21, 25 in the air, 14 touchdowns, seven picks. Obviously this is like a clusterfuck, right? I just want to say your rushing numbers for Newton seem overly generous. I mean, 348 yeah. and eight touchdowns. Really? I mean, he, I feel like he hasn't done anything on the
1: ground in like three years. He, uh, he didn't pay attention to last year. Cause even well, while they didn't, him, I started
0: turn most of their games off halfway through the first quarter. Was he running it all deservedly the Deservedly So
1: they weren't really worth your appointment viewing there. Uh, but he, he was third in terms of goal line attempts among every rusher, including running backs. I think he finished with like 12 or 15 rushing touchdowns in 12 games. He was, he was a, a, we had 15 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I think he had twelve to fifteen. I don't remember the exact amount off the top of my head, but right. yeah. I mean, he, if he, that's true, then I take back
0: what I said. I had no idea. I would have guessed like three. And I think he had more rushing touchdowns than that than he had passing touchdowns last year too. Well, like he was a goal line back. That wouldn't be hard. I mean, how many running? How many running backs in the league had fifteen touchdowns last year? How come people right, weren't exactly. talking about this?
1: Like nobody, like one maybe, right? Yeah, it, it, it might have been twelve. It was somewhere between twelve and fifteen. I mean, is a lot. But it's still—it was a lot. It was—it was definitely a lot. And I think he will for however long he starts. The reports early right now are there's all but certain they're going to start Cam. I think that they'll probably ride that out. My guess is they face so. Tom Brady in Week Six, right? I can't imagine unless Mac Jones is already starting, they're going to chuck this guy to the Wolves and have him face Brady at his
0: first just start. Real, real quick, Toons just came in uh, with the save on stats: twelve rushing touchdowns, eight passing touchdowns for Cam. Go ahead, thanks. There you go.
1: There you it's, go. It's better than I thought. Yes, exactly. The, the passing was right around exactly what I thought. Exactly. So these these stats tell me about a, a half season of Newton, a half season of Mac Jones It's kind of how I'm looking at it. Right. I would much rather it be very clear it's Mac Jones coming into the year. And, I, you know, after this latest COVID scare with COVID, uh, Cam going to be out for at least five days, maybe that's just going to give the just enough of a window to Mac Jones, who I think has been super impressive throughout this entire preseason, the window to take over. Perhaps, maybe, I don't know. It certainly would help guys like Damian Harris to not have the goal line vulture of Cam, although they could very easily do a Taysom Hill type of thing where they bring Cam in and have him run it into the goal line, even if Max starting. So to me, it's just one of those QB situations. I, we're spending a lot of words here on a, a situation that neither one of us know. We both know better. We're not going to draft either of these guys unless it's no. very, very deep best ball and you have only two quarterbacks. You want to take a stab on Newton having a few big weeks early. But yeah, I, I won't be touching these guys at all i am interested in the running backs uh which we're going to get to now but i am going to have to adjust these guys for sure too all right
0: change the banner to the patriots um (laughs) all right so damian harris this is a guy that we both kind of liked i mean Mm -hmm. i still like him uh you know you had him for 234 rushes 1076 on the ground seven touchdowns Mm -hmm. uh, you know a little bit of passing work you know uh, trailed by sony michelle and james white White obviously getting, you know, a lot fewer carries, but you got him catching like 50 balls, scoring a couple there. You're a little bit more down on Harris.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be bumping him down just a little bit here. And that's because so far it's, it's been a mixed bag for the preseason. In in sense of, I love the line. They are moving everybody, blowing everybody off the ball. And Damian Harris is the first man to the table. And all he's done is eat. He looks like he has more burst, more wiggle. He scored a goal line touchdown last week. He is everything you'd want to see from a back. The only thing that's concerning is it's been uh, he saw eight snaps last week to four for Sony to five for James White, nobody playing more than 50%. And I, I had thought with these projections I originally made that maybe he's going to really separate and, and take over and be like that lead early down guy with not much competition. But for what it's worth, Sony has actually looked pretty good. They've hyped him up in camp. And so I'm going to be bumping about – 30, I'd say 39% now of the Russian workload goes to um, Harris. And then I'm going to bump Sony up just a little bit. So that leaves us with 4%. So we'll we'll bump, you know, Sony up to 19 or so. And that might honestly be too generous because they often like to keep it really close, you know, alternating series and We've seen
0: it before, right? Exactly. You know, the Patriots backfield is kind of an ongoing fantasy joke. Uh, You know, we were sorry we kind of got our hopes up about Harris, but it it seems like maybe it's just going to be more of the same.
1: Right, exactly. So I, I did when it comes out. You know that brings him from a thousand and seven to like nine seventy five and six. Not a huge downgrade. Not an awful stat line by any means. But I had him, you know, early round six, seven, like at the latest running back. I'd feel better about him late seven, early eight at this point. Bumped him below guys that could be true three down threats like Chase Edmonds, uh, the the San Fran guys. Even though they're in a committee, a little more upside in my opinion. Uh, so I, I bumped him down a little bit in the rankings. And I think this little projection ding will probably have him falling right into that same alignment in that rankings. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's talk receivers, huh? Household names, Jacoby Myers. Before we oh, do that oh you got Before more to
1: say, go. Could I pause you? Sure. Is, uh, I do want to mention, I guess it goes more so with receivers. James White's played every single of the third down snaps. He's seen three targets in both preseason games. It's looking like the same old James White, regardless of who is at QB. So I might be underselling his target share a little bit here, only 61 targets. I do want to bump him up. In fact, why don't we let that segue us? Why don't you talk about what I had for receivers? And I'm going to kind of adjust this a little bit as we move forward. With this. All right. And
0: just to be clear, not to step on the James White thing, I have James White on. My, I got him in my auction. I got him really cheap and I actually feel pretty good about it. I'm lacking running back depth. He's the type of guy I feel pretty confident's going to get me at least points if I have to put him in.
1: I think he's the ultimate late round, especially if you go zero running back, that new popular strategy in PPR leagues. He's the ultimate. He falls around 15. You know, you're going to get probably five catches almost every single week. It's as good as a touchdown. Like, it, he is. The steadiest round 14, 15 guy. You know, I also do like McKissick and Bernard in that same type of vein, but I would have James White above all of those guys. He is still clearly, clearly involved with this team and in this offense.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about the receivers you alluded to, Jacoby Myers. And I'm not really trying to hate on Jacoby Myers. I actually think he's a pretty good player. But uh, I'm going to be bumping him up here too. But I'm not like excited about him exactly. You had him for 56 catches, 700 yards, three touchdowns on 96 targets. Uh, You had Aguilar coming in, 53 catches, 689 yards, uh, 66 touchdowns on 81 uh, 81 targets. And there's not like a murderer's row of guys behind them either. Um, But one thing that I think is interesting about your projections on this, and I doubt this will change even if some of your numbers do, we're not seeing a high catch percentage for either guy. And, I mean, I assume that's both a reflection of them and
1: the people throwing to them. It's more so the people thrown to him. I was going to say that's one thing I'm going to change for Myers. It's clear he's going to be manning that slot role, which historically has been a 25% target rate, uh, you know, 75% catch rate because of how high percentage those looks are. It's very clear that's what they're going to have Myers doing. So I'm actually going to bump him up to, I think, 67. I think I switched him and Aguilar in the, uh, the, the pecking order here. And I think Aguilar is more so that deep threat, with that 58% or so catch rate. So that, I'm glad you caught that uh, net. And this seems a little bit more reasonable. I am, as I said, going to bump up Jimmy White to about a 15, uh, I'll go 14% share here. I'm going to bump up Jacoby to 20. He's been operating as the clear number one throughout camp uh, every report. And then so far in the preseason, that's also played out where he last week we saw it three of three, uh, 50 yards and the touchdown looked great. He didn't score any touchdowns last year, but looked like a bull running it in uh, this last week. So I'm going to bump his production up, bumping Jimmy up, and I'm going to have that at the expense of, I'll take, you know, 2% away from Kendrick Bourne. um, Maybe 1% away from Right. Yeah, exactly. These, these beasts. But I really think in terms of passing game weapons, you know, Aguilar Bourne might have a couple big days here and there, but the only steady value you're going to find here is Myers and James White in the passing game. I'm going to give I think there's a little more touchdown upside to what Myers showed last year. I mean, Scott Barrett, one of the best experts we have on every single yeah, year. Awesome. He's so good. He called Myers his league winner. That was his league winning wide receiver as a late round guy. I was aligned with that. I've been landing Myers in round 13, 14 of every draft. He started to climb up the more and more he thrives in the preseason. But I, I, I still love him at his price where you can get him rounds 14, 15, assuming Callaway, Marshall, some of these higher big body guys are gone. I love Myers. Uh PPR I think he could be a steal this year.
0: All right, uh let's move on to tight ends and this really fits nicely with pretty much everything else on the Patriots which is just like, oh, everyone's nibbling everybody's cheese all the time. There's just this one block of cheese and they're all scurrying up to it and taking bites and no one's getting their own piece of cheese. Jonu Smith, you had him at yep. 48 for 576 and five touchdowns, closely followed by perennial disappointment Hunter Henry. 45 catches, 495 for five touchdowns. Man, you remember how much we used to like Hunter Henry?
1: Yeah, he was such a beast as a rookie and then like continued every sophomore year. He missed some time, but he killed it in the games he played. It just never really came to fruition, unfortunately. Yeah. I do think he's still a plus athlete, big body will definitely catch his touchdowns. I mean, you have basically
0: even numbers for
1: these guys. Exactly. I, I think John U Smith, if I had to take one, it would be John W. And I think I'm aligned with people. And there's a lot of smart people in the industry and friends as well that really think John is going to kill it in this offense. And he could like, there's you hear those, yo, now they've got Gronk Hernandez 2.0 comparisons lobbied out there. And one, when prime Tom Brady's not here, it certainly is not that situation. And neither of these guys are on the level of either of those two. So let's get when when
0: those guys hear that comparison, they're both really quick to be like, I want to be Gronk.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) And I think John, is actually the more so than Hernandez, the the better athlete, the guy they'll put in the slot, so good after the catch. mean, Belichick, when they faced the Titans in the playoffs, was saying this is the best run after the catch guy in the NFL, praising him. And then he goes out and gets him. So you know this, his brain is ticking. How do I want to use this guy? But I do think fantasy-wise, like they're going to be great real life. I think our offense is going to be significantly more dangerous with these guys. But I still don't expect either of them to be viable week to week because, as you said, they're two mouses eating each other's cheese every single week. One day it might be Hunter Henry with two touchdowns. The next day it might be John o. Smith with nine catches. But if one of them was going to be consistent week to week, I do think it would be John o. Smith in that higher probability, you know, the, the yak type of role. I think he could be the more consistent of the guys. But as a whole, those are two tight ends I'm definitely avoiding in fantasy at their current prices.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We spent a long time on the Patriots there, who, again, the Wolf says are going to be good.
1: Yeah. I think we'll they're going to be great in real life. I
0: really do think, like, great. I, what do you I, think? When, what do you think they're going to go?
1: I think they could win 10 to 11 games uh, out of the 17 game slate, like 11 and and six, I think is very, very reasonable. And that might still be second, but I think a wild card team, I think they make it back to the playoffs. I think they're a team that nobody's going to really want to face because of this defense, because of the run game. They're the type of team that's like built to upset better offenses in the playoffs. I really, I'm a Patriots fan of course. And I know I'm always an optimistic Fantasy projector, as well as you know, fantasy you know fan of my home team, but I, I'm feeling really good about this run game, this defense, and, and when Matt Jones takes over, I think the kid's the real deal. I think we're set up well for the future.
0: All right, let's talk about the Jets. Last but not least, they really might be least. The Jets. (laughs) Probably at least. So the the one guy here that you do seem to like is Zach Wilson. You think he's kind of been establishing himself as the guy. You had him at 344 out of 510 for 3725 uh, yards, 23 touchdowns, 15 picks to go along with 64 rushes for 333 and three touchdowns. Not like amazing stats. That was good enough projection wise to have him be your QB 25. You had him as 20 on the big board. So you liked him a little more than that. You said you're going to probably come up on him a little
1: bit. Yeah, yeah, I certainly am for a few reasons. One, the kid's looking really fucking good. I mean, he is, he can sling the ball. You just, the quarterbacks, you watch the ball come out of their hands and it just is like effortlessly zipping down the field. And that was him. He had to move around in the pocket a bit. There's nobody open. Move, dodge the guy. Corey Davis got open, just zipped it like 40 yards off his hand. Just flies down the field. Love to see it. Love the arm talent. And then the, the defense just keeps getting obliterated with injuries. Carl Lawson, their their big acquisition, a great player, tears his Achilles. He's going to be out for the year. Then they, they just hit – I forget exactly who it was. I believe it was another secondary member. And this defense really wasn't very good at all last year. One of the worst defenses in the league. They were expected to take a nice step forward, which is why I had this offense – at the 50, you know, minus 57 in terms of league total average, uh, trying to run the ball 460 times. That's what Sal is going to want to do coming over as the D coordinator from the 49ers. That's his, his mentality. I don't think they're going to have the ability to do that, though, now that they're losing their biggest horses on defense. I think it's going to be a lot more of a shootout-style narrative. and Plus, the running backs just suck. Like Carter was supposed to be good. We're going to get to that in a little bit. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to bump down these, these rush attempts to, to 440. Uh, that's even, I think, a little high. I'm going to bring them down to 420, but I'm going to bump up the pass attempts quite a bit. 420, one of my favorite numbers of all time. It's such a tool. <laughs> and then I'm going to bump up his pass attempts. The high school kids love that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to bump this up to uh, five. I really think he's going to have to approach 600 pass attempts, given how bad this defense is. So let's see what that does for the numbers. He, again, he was under 4,000. I think this is going to really bump them up. Yeah, so now 4,328 and 18. That seems a, a bit right. I, I, I honestly might be even a little higher. I think he, he's one of the few rookies right now that you know you're going to get all 16 games playing on a bad team, so you know he's going to have to sling. And the arm looks just as good, if not better, than any of the other rookies we've seen so far. So why do I have him below everybody? That's kind of my talking aloud to myself here. I'm getting really high on Zach Wilson, especially as a potential bridge to the Trey Lance, who I love, I think is going to be the season winner this year, to the Justin Fields, who could also be that season winner. Give me Zach Wilson, give me Big Ben late. Or, of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I said we've already gushed about him a million times. Two good bridges there. Uh, Wilson giving you a bit more upside than a guy like Big Ben, who we know. Give me that uncertain but sexy product like Zach Wilson to pair with one of those other rookie quarterbacks. That's going to be my approach to everywhere this, this year.
0: All right. This was the biggest discrepancy as we move on to the running backs that you had amongst your projections to your big board. And I know that you have done a little bit to change it. I'm not going to read you stats, but I'm just going to talk to you about the running backs. We had Tevin Coleman. We had Michael Carter. You had Michael Carter as projection wise, your running back 22 on your big board. You had him. At, you had him at 40.
1: How, yep. how do you reconcile that difference? As you can see here, I'm moving the depth chart. Uh, I'm okay. going to also adjust the receivers while I'm in this tab, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. Uh, that's going to change as well. So we'll be talking about those things in a second. But yeah, nobody's fallen harder this last week on my big board than Michael Carter, who was in my top 25 running backs. Yeah, And he has also now been entering the game behind Tevin Coleman, behind Ty Johnson, and also behind LaMichael Piran it's it's asinine. He didn't play any first-team snaps with Zach Wilson so far uh, this entire preseason. And that goes contrary. The reason I had him so highly projected is all the reports were running with the first team, best pass catching back in camp, clearly going to be a factor this year, a step ahead of all the running backs, and he can't play above any of them on the preseason. I mean, what's happening there? So he has tumbled down the rankings, still probably the first Jets running back I'd take because – I mean, the other guys are Ty Johnson. Yeah, but like, Are you like, taking
0: any Jets running back almost under any circumstances?
1: Exactly. The only reason you would is if you were in a situation, and your situation might kind of rival this, Nat, where you have one anchor, a great Christian McCaffrey, but you don't have a good number two that you, you feel confident about. I do think a guy like Tevin Coleman, at least early in the season, is going to see about 12 to 15 carries a week. So that's just some volume that you wouldn't otherwise have. Uh, so ultimately I like that uh, as a like the only reason I'd like these guys. I do like Ty Johnson cause he goes in round 20 if you're drafting in deeper leagues and Carter, I still think is worth a stab cause he's a great pass catching back on a team that doesn't really have many of them. So I do think eventually he's going to get involved, but right now not nearly as involved to be inside. Certainly not my top 25 running backs, Never mind my top 40 anymore. Uh, so I'm bumping down him big. I'm going to kind of make this mess of a projection. Like let's call, Tevin Coleman, 30%. Let's call Ty Johnson, uh, you know, 18 or like 19. And then what's that going to leave us for, you know, Mr. Michael Carter here that leaves us with 20. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give Ty Johnson 22%. And the rest I'll give to Michael Carter as like a change of pace guy, Um, 82. So that means we have about what, 18. So let's give him to like 20. Let's give him 24. See what we're left with carries here. Uh, it's just gross though, as you can see. Like, I'm I'm projecting this out, and it's just like I, nobody knows how it's gonna go. Yeah. It, it's just, and I remain completely uninterested in any of these guys, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> 22. I appreciate
0: you're trying to sell. You said, Hey, this might work for your situation. Now, there's a bunch of guys I'd way rather have, right? Exactly, the there's no
1: clear lead horse. Whereas, I thought it was gonna be Carter with about 40% of the carries, as you can see. Uh, I, I want nothing to do with this. Tevin Coleman again, like, late maybe could be okay. Uh, but, yeah, it's not very exciting. <laughs> All
0: right, let's move on to receivers. And just just to mention, breaking news coming through on our group text with the RSJOG's uh, r- reporter, Duck, says, Etienne, likely out for the season. So No way. Really? Yeah. CJ's oh, response, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> oh, no.
1: Very, very emphatic <laughs> response. Something,
0: something like that. I don't remember. Popped up on my screen just to say, oh, boy. Sorry. It was, oh, boy anyway so that's that's, that's the late breaking news that you tune in for here or actually early breaking news i mean we'll, we'll be doing that division i think tomorrow yeah. we'll right? be talking about them later if we want to talk about bad teams we
1: yeah tomorrow don't
0: don't sleep on the jags when it comes to bad teams
1: tomorrow anyway. at 130 you'll you'll get my updated projections but james robinson's going to soar like i i already bumped him up thinking that you know i, I accounted for the 18 injury thinking he was going to be out for let's say, six games, maybe the PUP to start the year. So I bumped Robinson to like, my RB20. He's probably going to approach top 12 now. I mean, he was the running back four last year, and now it's just him and Carlos Hyde, like – Oh, man, gonna, don't sleep
0: on Carlos Hyde. He was kind of good six years ago. Anyway, <laughs> um, anyway we'll some do. people yeah. in the comments are commenting on that. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Let's just finish this dumpster wow. fire up real quick. Right. Uh, the Jets receivers, Elijah Moore, you used to be pretty high on him. You actually had him as your wide receiver 29 on projections. But then, and you had Corey Davis as 66. But then, when forced to go to the big board, which I know is more accurate now, you actually had Davis up at 33 and Moore had fallen down to 47. Uh, you like. Them each getting in the hundred target range, something like that. And then you got Jamison Crowder. You know, I don't want to say the corpse of Jamison Crowder necessarily, but maybe like a deathly ill version.
1: Yeah, right. Because he was actually a stud for long stretches of last year. But a lot of that, Adam Gase loves peppering his slot. In addition to Sam Darnold always targeting twenty five percent or higher of his slot. That's just not going to be here this year with Moore and Davis. Uh, added on the outside. He had no one to contend with last year, Jamison Crowder. Rashad Perriman, give me a break. Uh, so I, I had more at the top. So let me kind of explain why this is changing because this is really important. I love more. think he's probably the best talent here. Still could, by the end of the year, see him emerge as the number one guy. All the reports were in training camp. He was dominant, looked like an alpha, you know, training with A.J. Brown all offseason from that Ole Miss program that churned out D.K. A.J. Brown, now him. And he's supposed to be like on their level. I mean, that guy could still be a stud, but a quad injury knocked him out of training camp for the last two weeks. And in that two-week span, all the reports have been Corey Davis has emerged as Zach Wilson's go-to guy. hes They've formed a an inseparable bond. They're, they're killing it together right now. And what do we see in the preseason action? Davis has run 13 routes. He's been targeted on 10 of those. That's nearly 80% of the time he's run a route. He's seen the ball come his way. That's obviously not going to happen in the the, the regular season. And, of course, when Moore comes down, that's another big mouth to potentially feed. But Corey Davis and that report, like that is – Something special. So Davis has been among the biggest risers on my big board this preseason. A guy that I have – I mean, you've heard me, Nat, say some of the most unthinkable things about Corey Davis. Oh, uh,
0: things uh, we can't repeat on this show. And we no. God, we swear
1: all the time on this show. <laughs> and they're more vile than anything else that's ever come out of my mouth. I have, I have ripped that guy so hard. And still, you know, I believe in Zach Wilson's arm right now. I believe in the fact that he's getting peppered. They're showing this rapport. I really believe in the scheme. Mike LaFleur, you know, comes from that Shanahan tree, was their passing game coordinator, the 49ers. LaFleur is his brother over the Packers. These offenses have become the new thing, and it's looking like he's executing it at a very high level. The spacing with the receivers has been great. Corey Davis has been running wide open multiple times, and that's kind of what happens in this offense. So I think Corey Davis emerging as the true alpha in an offense that's designed to pepper him, he's going to go down as a steal all the way up to my seventy seventh overall receiver, thirty three, a guy that you'll probably be able to get in rounds nine or ten. That should have gone two rounds earlier at, at worst. I, I could easily see him having a top fifteen season. The only reason he wouldn't wow. is because Moore is so good, Nat. Moore is unbelievable.
0: <laughs> if you praise. I mean, we'll see. I I am so skeptical of any pro Jets propaganda that you're throwing out there of any kind i really am yeah all right it it should be i Um, i I feel that i've come by that opinion honestly over the past you know 30 years anyway let's talk about let's finish things up on tight end you had tyler croft and chris herndon when i did my research you actually had them split up pretty evenly and with really no appeal either way but it does appear that your opinion of croft has skyrocketed in like the last couple hours
1: it sure has, and I'm bumping that up right now. Uh, I had him at about an even one, but Croft has been running clearly ahead of him throughout camp uh, right now, so I'm going to bump him up. And we saw this week in the preseason, two receiving touchdowns, the go-to guy for um, more in the, when they got in close in the red zone. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely bumping him up. Uh, <laughs> i got to mess around because Carter is now uh, my RB3 on the depth chart. So I do think Carter is going to still see – a decent uh, target share, not 40%. Jeez, uh, But yeah, so crops red zone upside is very, very real. I think he's going overlooked. And Fantasy Drafts is a potential last-round stab that could do a lot more damage than he's being given credit for. So I'm going to project him for 11%. Sorry, one sick. So we're missing... That. let's give him 11% target share. Most of that coming in the red zone. That's why I've now bumped him up to six total touchdowns. We'll give uh, Michael Carter a 10% target share. Uh, assuming he emerges as the third down back eventually. But I think Croft is a guy that uh, nine touchdowns might be a little bit hefty here. Let's give him uh, 17% and see what that comes out to. I think eight is very reasonable for a team that's going to be in the red zone more often than I think they've had been in the last few years Croft come, again, that LaFleur passing game coming from the 49ers. We know how they've used Kittle. Croft is obviously not even close to Kittle, but as a red zone monster, I, I could see him really emerging and surprising and being one of those tight ends everybody's scrambling to get within a couple weeks.
0: We'll see, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Stevenson for the Patriots. This is the last one I'm gonna take because we do have to close this out here. Uh Is ADP's like the end of the draft, the last round stab? I I love the player. Don't know when he's going to get on the field unless Sony gets moved. And then in case he should go five rounds earlier. So we'll find out. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find all our content at rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fancy wolves. We also have the app where you can consume all that content in our cleanest form that we will hopefully be updating sooner than later and making it even better for you guys. Our podcast is the Fantasy Fullback Dive. If you prefer audio or need to listen at work instead of watch, awesome. And if you're listening to the podcast and you want to get involved with all these live questions and get everything answered, you can find us on YouTube and Facebook, especially YouTube. We're really trying to grow our audience there. So turn in on that subscription, turn on that bell so you know when we're live and we can answer anything that you have for us. And last but not least, all these projections are going to be available at rotostreetjournal.com. It's going to be one of the first things we've ever, actually the first thing we've ever put behind a paywall in conjunction with my 2021 investing guide. I know you took a sneak peek at it, Nat. You think it's a worthwhile purchase for the people?
0: Yeah, I love it. I really do. I mean, you know, a lot of it's stuff that I know because I talk to you a lot about this stuff, but it was actually interesting hearing some logic. You actually put some stuff in there, um, let us into the brain of the wolf in ways I was not even necessarily privy to. And that's saying something because we talk it's a lot. It's a scary place to be. But but for fantasy, it's a good
1: place to be. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So guys, and the reason we're, I honestly eventually want everything on the site to be free. Yeah. We're only charging right now because we really want to make these stock profiles that are going to make your fantasy life that much better so consider it an investment in making a, a fantasy site all taking it to the next level that's the goal we're not really charging because we want to i just don't have a teacher i don't have that much money so i need to kind of get some sort of income so i could build this thing up i think I, I wouldn't charge for it if i didn't think it was worthwhile it'll be out this week my all my guys round by round who you should target you, you should probably know him anyways because we do so many podcasts, but still, consider supporting us. It would mean the world. It'll help us get to the next site, and that's going to take your fantasy game to the next level. All right, you guys, enough promoting. Thank you so much for being here. We really, really appreciate it. We'll see you every day at 1.30 the rest of this week. I am the wolf. I'm the truth. <laughs> in, a world phil- in a world full of fantasy sheep, guys, be that wolf. Later. But now See I call,
0: so hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh
1: can wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Stole the
0: show. Straight ahead. Deadly. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown! Oh. Fashion football right there, folks.